Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Alex. I would say first time, long time here because it was the first time in a long time that we have not recorded an episode weekly. Uh, Missed last week. It was a very busy week for us and a very busy week for a lot of other things with the New York Giants, which we'll get to briefly because most of you listening probably know about this information already, so we'll kind of slightly breeze past it and then get to the fun stuff. Draft season has begun. The Super Bowl was yesterday. It's done. 2023-24 NFL season is over. We're moving on to next season, but we're staying in tune with this offseason and the draft upcoming within uh, the next few months. So today we have our quarterback rankings. We're going to rank what we believe is our top, I believe, five quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft. It'll be a fun time. We love doing these rankings, and we hope you enjoy listening to them, too. If you want to watch them, they'll also be on our YouTube page as well. Alex, the Kansas City Chiefs are your champions once again. Two-time champions in the last two years. First time to do that. for Yeah, first time to do that. I can't speak. In 19 years, and they're going to have a chance next season to be the first team ever to run it back and get a three-peat. Will they do it? What were your thoughts? Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, all is well. Although no ring has been put on uh, Mrs. Swift's finger uh, after that game. What a dreadful ending. My God. Um, But I'll stop talking and I'll get your reactions on it. Alex, how did you think of Super Bowl 58 last night? Yeah, I thought I was really surprised the first half. We had a whole, you know, Three turnovers, I believe. So really sloppy first half from two teams that have just not been very sloppy this season. Um, and then the second half, obviously, it picked up. Uh, the intensity picked up. 
you know, the the level of play picked up and it was better. So um, it was not the worst Super Bowl like we were kind of all expecting because we thought it was, you know, either going to be a blowout one way or the other or, you know, some of us thought it was scripted, um, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty decent game and going to overtime obviously is always exciting. Seeing the new overtime rules implemented, um, you know, in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, for the second time ever uh, in any playoff game and let alone the Super Bowl uh, was kind of interesting. And then, of course, Kyle Shanahan electing to get the ball first when really uh, it seems like the strategy with this new overtime rule is to go and defer and get the ball second. So you have all four downs to work with rather than three. Uh, so I think that's, uh, you know, something interesting, I'm sure, is going to be the standard going forward after this uh, after the Super Bowl. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty much it. Usher's halftime show disappointed me a little bit. I got to be honest, in case anyone cares. Um, you I know hated some people, it. I, I, I was not very happy about it. I, you know, I really was hoping for some more... I don't know what I was hoping for exactly. More I, you know, like his I, actual bangers. I mean, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, like he, he did not. He did not play any of his bangers really. Like not many of them, at least. Like yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah, it was disappointing. But you know, it is what it is. I'm not there just for the halftime show. I do enjoy the football. So, um, it was just frustrating. I think at that point, first half, I just watched a really sloppy half of football that really wasn't Super Bowl quality per se. Uh, and then you have the Usher halftime show. I'm like, oh, this is the worst Super Bowl ever. But then second half picked up, goes to OT, and it was it was a pretty good game. So uh, that that's my thoughts on it. But hopefully next year the Giants will be at it. Um, twenty twenty four season starts now, as the Giants admin posted on Twitter, I believe. Um, I think a few minutes after the game ended. All right, uh, pretty interesting there. I, I liked uh, Usher's halftime performance, but before we get into the news, Alex. By the way, I have to say this: congratulations on episode three hundred. Here we are. I uh, forgot to yes. say that in the beginning of this one. So a little delayed, but uh, a week delayed, but we're still here and it is still episode 300. So there we go. Got uh, got this far. Let's keep chugging along here as we talk about the Giants hire of the tight ends defensive coordinator Shane Bowen as their defensive coordinator. That was last Monday that that occurred. Uh, they've begun uh, lining up talks with the Titans staffers who worked under him. Uh, Bowen or Bowen was the defensive assistant with the Houston Texans in 2016 and 2017. He joined the Titans staff in 2018 as the outside linebackers coach and was promoted to defensive coordinator by Mike Rabel, uh, the former Tennessee Titans head coach in 2021. Mike Rabel, by the way, uh, still without an NFL head coaching job, at least for right now this season. In 2021, Tennessee ranked sixth in the NFL in points allowed. In 2022, they were 14th. Last season, the Titans sank to 27th in a 32-team league in the 32-team league in points allowed. Uh, Bowen appears to have run a 3-4 base defense in Tennessee. Philosophically, though, Bowen is different from Martindale, uh, as in Wake Martindale, the former Giants defensive coordinator. The Giants splits 45% of all uh, of the time in 2023, which is the second most in the league. Well, the Titans was just 22% of the time, 24th in the NFL. Which, by the way, Wink Marindell, that was his thing. He was the blitz specialist, so he always tended to blitz. That was that was his thing to pressure the quarterback, force him to make either tough throws or bad decisions. So it's just going to be a different type of system under the new defensive coordinator. In 2022, the Giants led the league at 39%, almost 40% blitz rate, which the Titans were at 
18 percent in 2021 uh bow and of the blitz just 21 percent of the time all right that's a lot of stats that i just threw at you uh let's get to some more news the giants hired former titans and texans offensive coordinator tim kelly as their tight ends coach um and then kelly uh replaces andy bischoff bischoff bischoff, bischoff yeah, yeah yeah who left uh for the job in los angeles with the chargers alex um i don't know if you have any reactions to this D. I mean i know you had to react actually Alex did have reaction to this defensive coordinator move that you a very, can watch. A very monotone reaction, according to Josh. But I guess you know, I'm not, I was a reaction enough. nonetheless, which is on yeah. our YouTube channel if you wanted to check that out. And then, um, yeah. So, any other further reactions that you yeah. have here before we move on to Mike Kafka? All I will say is it was late, and I was very tired after doing a lot of work all day. All right, that's my excuse. But yeah, I think Bowen. I think we're going to see something very similar or at least a more similar system to what we saw with Pat Graham, much more conservative, bend but don't break philosophy. Um, you know, he has three years of experience, obviously, as a DC in the NFL, so reasonably inexperienced in comparison to some others, such as Wink Martindale uh, and other DCs around the league. But I think uh, I think he brings, you know, stability in terms of someone who has been a DC before in comparison to a Jerome Henderson or some of the other guys that, the Giants were looking into uh, that were position coaches. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm happy with the, with the hire. And I think, you know, it won't be someone who's going to really rock the boat too much in terms of, uh, you know, really implementing a super, uh, you know, crazy different style, like someone like Wink does when he comes into the building. And I think he's going to be just a little bit more flexible, someone that's a little bit easier to work with. So overall, um, you know, I like the hire. And then the Kafka news is where you're supposed to move to now. Sorry, as a, sorry. As a, as a podcast host here, unless you want me to sorry. just do all the breaking no, news. No, 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 I got you. So the Giants also added an assistant head coach title for OC Mike Kafka among a bunch of changes. QB Shea, uh, coach Shea Tierney was added as a pass game coordinator. Um, DB's coach Jerome Henderson also now a pass game coordinator on the defensive side. The Giants also har- uh, hired charlie bullen as an outside linebackers coach and zach kerr as a defensive assistant um so in terms of kafka obviously that probably hints that he's going to be calling the plays if they added again a promotion for him uh could that be something just to kind of lure him or not lure him but entice him to stay that could also be so there's there's a bunch of rumors out there of why that happened specifically um, and in terms of Bullen as the O-line o or offense outside linebackers coach, my lord, I, I was reading it wrong. Uh, Bullen has been at Illinois the past two years, but was in Arizona with the Cardinals before that. Uh, so has some college experience, has some NFL experience, and overall, um, you know, definitely can bring something to that outside linebackers group that really did struggle outside of Kayvon Thibodeau last season. So I think that's going to be a very important position coach. Josh, you got any thoughts on all of that? No, no thoughts. Do you want to continue through the rest of the news? Yeah, I mean, of course I want to continue. Nothing like talking about former Giants. Um, You know, so Wink Martindale, obviously big collapse with Brian Dable. Wasn't sure where he was going to end up. Didn't get any NFL uh, DC interviews. Didn't get any head coaching interviews for sure. Uh, Michigan, though, ends up hiring him as their new defensive coordinator, obviously moving on from uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they have a new head coach in town who is the former D.C. 
Now, they need a new DC, and they pick up Wink Martindale. And then the Bucks are hiring former Giants special teams coordinator Thomas McGahee as their special teams coordinator, despite him being very unsuccessful with the Giants. So maybe the well-respected title was true and that he was actually very well respected around the league who knows i i actually had someone ask me this weekend uh who was a buccaneers fan like what i thought of mcgahee and uh <laughs> i said the past, honest <laughs> i said the past two years have sucked and he was like well he was with your team for the past six years so like overall how would you say the past six years have been and i was like fine but i was like if you're asking me about the past two years i mean he did get fired so obviously something went wrong uh but that is the news for right now. Thomas McGahee ending up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we are going to end up talking about some quarterbacks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and we'll talk um, our top five quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL Draft. All right. Welcome back to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. The top six, by the way. I want to clarify that here because there is a big drop off after the top six. So we're going to talk about those guys right now. The top six NFL quarterbacks in this year's 2024 NFL Draft. And we'll start out with the man, J.J. McCarthy, 6'3", 202 pounds, out of Michigan. He was a junior this past year and helped lead his team to the national championship and actually win the national championship. Some notes on McCarthy this past season, 22 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, almost 3,000 passing yards. Also last year, pretty similar, just had one more interception the same amount of touchdowns, and 200 less yards. Except, let's talk about him in big games for one second. In that national championship game against the second-ranked Washington, just had 140 yards passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Michigan ended up dominating in that game, but it wasn't really because of J.J. McCarthy. However, against fourth-ranked Alabama in the uh, college football semifinal game, 221 yards and three touchdowns, zero interceptions thrown. So a little bit of a different scale there. He can still play against very good players. And the reason I bring up these games, obviously, is instead of bringing up a random game he played in college, these games against national championship teams means there's going to be a lot of NFL players that will get drafted from these teams. So it shows that he can play with top quality NFL, future NFL uh, opponents and players. Alex has the pros and cons, comparisons, all of that, and our and you know our grades at the end of things. He'll get into all of that. It's stuff we've done in the past. If you've been with us before, but if you're new, he'll explain everything. Alex, go ahead. All right, let's get into the pros and cons first. Um, first of all, he's very accurate, especially uh, going deep in the intermediate and short you know range throws. Not as much, but still solid accuracy um, in those areas. His play-action game uh, is also something that's really noticeable at Michigan, and you see it on film. Uh, he's very, very good uh, you know, with that, and he really fools defenders, especially linebackers, uh, with his ability uh, you know, to really fake people out in the play-action game. And, of course, they had to do that at Michigan because their run game was so potent as well. So if he can go to a, a, a team that has a really good run game, uh, I think he could be really positive there. His cons, he's a slim frame. He is 6'3", 202, but... Uh, you know, he's very, very skinny, uh, and that could be something that is an issue if he takes some big hits in the NFL. And then game processing, uh, everything was made very simple for him at Michigan. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh, an amazing coach. Uh, they had really, really good talent around him. So it was more of a game manager role. I know how 
everyone's using that now with Brock Purdy and all that and Cam Newton coming out and calling people game managers. So I know that's like a, a kind of a controversial term now, but I think if anyone fits that uh, narrative, it's J.J. McCarthy. He's definitely more of a game manager, um, but he doesn't process well after his first read. And I think that's a little bit concerning. Uh, and that's something he's going to need to work on for sure. A comparison for him, he's like a taller Bryce Young uh, with slightly less, um, you know, game processing abilities uh, coming out of college. I think that's like a, a a good comparison, both skinny guys, both accurate guys, um, but, you know, someone, both players who definitely needed a little bit more help in their processing. Obviously, Bryce Young, I think, was much more developed in that area coming out of college and getting to the grades now. Um, so how the grades work, put them, you know, based on a whole bunch of parameters for the QBs, it's accuracy, arm talent, QBIQ, uh, which kind of involves that game processing, mobility, and size, uh, which we then average out to a grade. The grade correlates to a, you know, round um, specifically where we, you know, kind of grade them. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much as simple as it is. I have a little formula. I kind of geek out over this. I'm sorry um, for people who are not interested in that. I know Josh is a little bit always looking at me like I'm a big nerd. It is what it is. So anyway, uh, out of 10, these are all out of 10, by the way, we have him ranked uh, for eight out of 10 for accuracy, seven and a half out of 10 for arm talent, uh, six and a half out of 10 for QBIQ, seven and a half out of 10 for mobility, and four and a half out of 10 for size. And that leaves him at a 7.1 grade. Uh, and that is in the late first round range. And that is also where he's projected right now in mock drafts in the late first round. And that's pretty much it for J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, when it gets to the numbers, this is why you have a business major here on the podcast. They're going to put that stuff in Excel and, uh, you know, get out those formulas. All, all, all I need to do is put it in a PowerPoint and then we'll be good, right? A, a nice shiny PowerPoint. Should do a keynote presentation, maybe. I you should do a keynote presentation. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> exactly. So if we transition... Have my little, you know, cue uh, or whatever they call it. The you, clicker. you press the the clicker. Press the yeah, clicker. There you go. Let's transition to the next quarterback on this list. Number five in Bo Nix, 6'2", 217 pounds, a senior out of Oregon. And what I'd like to say here, not particularly with Bo Nix, but I think guys you're going to see within the top four and also something we said for McCarthy, all these guys now I feel like coming out, they can throw the ball deep. I think that's part of the modern day NFL. We know how it's a very pass heavy NFL now as the years have progressed over the past decade or so. Uh, not Bo Nix particularly, but definitely you're going to see that pro of deep ball accuracy uh, being used again. But anyway, for Bo Nix right now, uh, what I can say is that he's played a while. Uh, he's played a while. Uh, four years, like I said, senior at Oregon, played all four years. I think started all four years as well. And he's a threat, not just throwing, but rushing. And he did a lot. Uh, Stats-wise, in the Pac-12, that's why the Pac-12, you know, it's so sad that it's diminished now or diminishing because it was so dominant in the QB ranges last uh, in the QB ranks last year. But especially for Knicks, who had 4,500 yards passing and 45 touchdowns, just three interceptions for the senior out of Oregon uh, when they played Washington in a very good game. Uh, earlier in the year in October, they lost, but he did have 337 yards and threw for two touchdowns. They then played Washington once again in December, lost that game. But again, another good stat line against future NFL players. 239 yards, three touchdowns, did throw an interception, also had six rushes for 69 yards in that game, and then cooked in the Fiesta Bowl. That's expected in their bowl game against Liberty. Uh, 
five touchdowns in that game, over 350 yards passing. But in his college career, what's good to see is that he's been improving yards every single year. 2,500 in 2019, that sprung up 2022 to 3,600 about, and then 2023, 4,500. So I know I just threw a lot of numbers at you, but what I want to really touch on is that the improvement in the collegiate level, especially the last two seasons, going from 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns just about to 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns. Uh, Bo Nix has really improved uh, throughout his time in college, and that's what you want to see out of prospects. Alex? Yeah, I mean, his pros in terms of you know his rushing ability, he's very, very quick. He's not as agile of a runner as some of the other guys we're going to talk about on this list, uh, but he's still very, very quick, and I expect him to run a pretty quick 40-yard dash at the combine if he participates, of course. His arm strength's definitely a plus. Again, not as uh, you know dominant of, of an arm, I should say, as some of the other players on this list. Again, but still very positive, um, you know, attribute of his. And I think what he has over anybody else uh, that we're going to talk about today is a quick release. His release, his throwing motion, he gets the ball out really, really quick. Uh, and I think that's something that you definitely notice watching him. Um, a couple of cons, uh, he had a limited offense in college. Oregon ran some very simple, um, you know, plays, some very simple playbook. Uh, and so that could be difficult when transitioning to a much complicated much more complicated NFL playbook. His footwork in the pocket definitely needs to improve as well. Definitely seems uncomfortable at times um, navigating the pocket. And then same as J.J. McCarthy, he struggles past that first read uh, in terms of game processing. For our grades, accuracy 7.5, arm 8, QBIQ 6, mobility 7.5, and size 6, leading up to a 7.2 grade out of 10 and that again puts him in the late first round range and that's also where he's projected right now in mock drafts all right clicker again next slide please michael Penix jr six foot three 213 pounds out of washington a senior uh you know some people like to pronounce that last name a little bit differently um i'm gonna stick with the way it's correctly pronounced in Penix. some people might get that joke some people might not i don't know i just Alex got the joke like 10 seconds later but i just got 10 seconds later yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, th- there's a lot of memes about it, you know. If anyone is interested, I need to say that. All right, let's go to his. Um, <laughs> let's go to his. St- I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. All right, trying to keep it funny through all these stats. I'm going to ramble through now. In 2023, by the way, let me clarify this real quick. My favorite QB prospect coming out uh, of the college, um, coming out of college, he's going to be my favorite guy in the NFL. Uh, coming out of this draft class in the quarterback department. Anyway, okay. 4,900 yards this past year, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So, you know, the interceptions compared to the last two guys' uh, numbers are a little bit up there. He doesn't really run the ball a lot. Alex is going to talk about that, and that's due to injury. So let's break this down a little bit. This is what's keeping people away from Michael Penix Jr. and not liking him, and I completely understand why. I just like the way he plays, and his accuracy throwing the ball. Alex will get to it later, but what I'll get to right now, this guy has had a tremendously terrible injury history. It's absolutely awful. And we'll start back in 2018, his rookie season. Tears his ACL. 2019. Dislocates his joint uh, in his shoulder, I believe, his non-throwing shoulder in November of 2019. That ended his season. So comes back from the torn ACL, tears his non-throwing shoulder, done for that year. 2020 re-tears his ACL that was already torn in 2018. 
comes back in 2021. Ended after only five games because he suffered a dislocated joint in his throwing shoulder. So we have a joint issue in his non-throwing shoulder in 2019. Two years later, a joint issue in his throwing shoulder in 2021 keeps him out. Anyway, with all that being said, in 2022 and 2023, he really built up his resume, throwing over 4,500 yards both seasons and over 30 touchdowns in both of those years. A couple of games to talk about. Against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game in December, he had 319 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. In the Sugar Bowl against Texas, 430 yards and two touchdowns. The national championship didn't go great for the Huskies, but he did end up with 255 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Alex has more on the injury-prone quarterback uh, QB prospect. All right, let's start with the pros before we get to the injury stuff. Uh, he has really decent arm strength. Again, not as strong as the next three guys we're probably going to talk about here, um, but still very good arm talent. His deep ball accuracy is very good. His pre-snap reads, I mean, I think this comes with experience, him being on the older side, more years in college. But in terms of pre-snap, uh, you know, reading the defense, he is very good at that and, you know, making adjustments. Some of his cons, obviously, he is very accurate, but inconsistent at times in the short and intermediate throws. Uh, his injury history, Josh touched on that. It's awful um, and definitely a huge concern for NFL teams. And then his age, he's 24 years old, uh, which is very old for a prospect coming out of college. Obviously, five years he's played in college, so that is kind of a given at that point, but still something that's a big negative. Uh, our comp for him uh, is Tua. I know this is such a basic comp because of the um, you know, the left-handed throw or whatever it is, but it, it, there is some actual... Um, and I love I, Tua, I by the way. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, there is some actual. I mean, Josh, you agree with me. I think there is some actual resemblance between the two. Like it isn't just because they throw with the same hand. So, well, um, again, yeah. I mean, it's the deep ball accuracy too. I, I touched on it earlier. I mean, both of those yeah. guys. You see Tua doing that every other game, if not every game, to find Tyreek Hill deep. So yeah, uh, it's the same course. thing with Michael Penix and Roma Dunze when they played together at Washington. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into the grades right now. So for accuracy, a 7.5. Arm, uh, 8.5. QBIQ, an 8. Mobility, a 7.5. I know Josh said like he doesn't really move a lot, but he does. when he does move, he does have very good mobility, and he is actually pretty quick. And then size, we have a 6. So that actually comes out to a 7.7 out of 10. But here's the thing. I've Josh, I found a flaw in my ranking system last year in my in my Excel spreadsheet, my Excel spreadsheet it doesn't take into account the the outside variables, the injury history, the age, stuff that NFL teams and that's really important for scouting. So you're just gonna have to trust me. I've been so I have like a little formula now. Josh is smiling at me. He's I can't even take it serious. Right now. I'm Jeez. geeking. So for injury, for you know, bad injury history, I take off 0.25, and then for age issue, I also take off another 0.25. So that lowered it to a 7.2 basically it means that i can push you down around uh based on each of those things and that's basically what nfl teams do right if you're on the older side you go down around if you have injury history you're going down around kind of thing so i think this is a valid way to do it so that moves him down to a 7.2 still a late first round target uh talent instead of a mid first round talent uh, if it wasn't for those outside issues he is projected right now to go in the second round uh with nfl teams allegedly not being as high on him as the fans are. Um, so 
I guess we'll have to wait and see. Definitely a big a question mark going into the draft about where he's going to end up going. I guess Giants fans or any NFL fans listening or watching this, when Alex eventually becomes your GM, I guess it'll be good because he thinks about all of the possible... Uh... Oh, don't worry. You know, Joe Shane doesn't actually think about this, but I think about this, you know? Well, what I want to think about is the next player and the Heisman winner, which was shouldn't have happened. This is why I, I just... No, I can't do this. But Jin Daniels is somehow ranked over Michael Penix. And he's Alex better. is he's a better excuse, prospect. He's not Alex's, a better player. Alex's excuse for this, that's what the people say. Anyway, <laughs> six foot four, no. two hundred ten pounds, senior out of LSU. You can talk about it when you have your chance to talk. I have the mic. You also have the mic too. But I have the mic right now. Okay. This past season led the LSU Tigers to nothing because they weren't good. Uh, but he did have three thousand eight hundred twelve yards this past year. 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. Alex is talking about mobility. I think what you meant to say more about Michael Penix, his mobility in the pocket is very good. Not really scrambling outside because he doesn't really go on any rushing attempts outside of, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. But yeah, definitely inside the backfield, he was able to kind of uh, navigate through defenders and especially linebackers and defensive linemen. But we're talking about Jaden Daniels right now. He is a runner. One over 1,000 yards rushing this year, had 10 touchdowns, very impressive running the ball, a very quick player, and I think you're going to understand that when we make our comp to an NFL player. Uh, but for right now, I'll talk about, I'll just mention one of, he, uh, one of his games. His most impressive game, I would say, of this past year is when LSU played uh, play number nine Ole Miss in September. It was a loss, but Daniels balled out. Almost four or over 400 yards passing, and had four touchdowns in that game. Actually, I lied. I'll mention one more. Against 8th-ranked Missouri in October, a W in that game, he had 259 yards and three touchdowns. The reason I wanted to mention this game, too, was because he used his legs pretty uh, pretty effectively as well. Had 15 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown. So Jane Daniels can really do it all, and that is why he is apparently a man of the people uh, and why he is ranked as high as he is and why he's ranked higher than Michael Penix. I understand it. Do I agree with it? No. Do I get it? Yes. Alex, go ahead. I think the draft, you have to take into consideration projection as well, right? You're projecting what these players are going to be in the NFL. That's obviously a huge part of it. And that is what we're also trying to do at the same time as talking about their, um, you know, abilities right now. But can their, like, what are their, you know, talents right now, if that makes sense, right? And in my formula, I know, I'm sorry, Josh. You know, I value stuff like arm strength and mobility, stuff that that's not going to change at the NFL level. Uh, his arm is not going to get stronger. You know, he's not going to become somehow a 4-5, 40-yard dasher uh, when he's a 5-0 right now. So stuff like that, I weight a little bit higher than, per se, accuracy or stuff like that that could improve, as we saw in the case of Jaden Daniels comp, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, uh, a mix of those two. I know I got to that early, but it, it just fit with what I was talking about. Anyway, moving to the pros, uh, he's obviously an elite athlete, uh, one of the best we've seen probably since Lamar Jackson. Great deep ball accuracy as well, which has been common theme among all these quarterbacks, which is very interesting. Great arm strength. His uh, throw on the run ability is very good when he navigates outside the pocket. He can make really impressive throws. Uh, and then for the cons, he has a skinny frame, not as skinny as J.J. McCarthy, but still um, you know, someone who could... Uh, you know, gain a few pounds at the NFL level. He is inconsistent 
uh, with, you know, short and intermediate throws at times. And he is also uncomfortable in the pocket, it seems like. Uh, he's someone who really wants to get out of the pocket, move around. Uh, and when he's kind of kept in the pocket, sometimes uh, you see the accuracy kind of, um, you know, fade a little bit. And sometimes just the wrong reads are made as well. So I think he's someone who definitely navigates more in, um, you know, outside the pocket, more in, um, you know, free-flowing situations. I think that's, you know, good or bad, depending on how you look at it. For our grades, we have accuracy at 7.5, arm at 8, 7 for QBIQ, mobility at a 9.5, and size at a 7. And that brings out our first, early first round grade at an 8.0, just on the cusp there up for Jaden Daniels, and he's projected right now also in that range as a top five pick. All right, the two guys you keep hearing about, if not Jaden Daniels, if you haven't heard of him you and you're an NFL fan or a Giants fan or just an NFL draft fan, you know these final two players. We'll start out with number two. Drake May, 6'4", 230 pounds, out of North Carolina. A sophomore this year, I was actually able to watch him absolutely rushed Syracuse this past season, so that was not fun. Uh, but in the two years he has started, he had actually a better year last year than he did this season, which is pretty interesting. Last season, he had over 4,000 4, yards passing. This year, he had over 3,500. Uh, 38 touchdowns that year, seven interceptions. This year, only 24 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Another guy that is pretty good rushing the ball as well. This past season had almost 500 yards rushing and nine touchdowns uh, against Miami in October in a game that North Carolina won. He threw for 273 yards and four touchdowns. The game he kind of struggled a little bit, though, was against number 20 Clemson in November. The Tar Heels lost that game. May threw for 209 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Ran the ball for 10 times. Uh, ran the ball 10 times for 67 yards as well. Alex, you can go ahead with uh, his other stuff. All right, pros, arm strength. He's got a cannon. Um, he can really sling it. Uh, he's really accurate as well at all three levels, which is something that I don't think uh, anybody besides him and the next guy we're going to talk about really have in this class. He's really quick. Uh, he's also pretty agile for a big guy. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a slightly more agile Daniel Jones as a runner, actually, which is kind of a funny comparison there. And then size, he's got that perfect prototypical size at 6'4", 230. Um, and I think that's going to be something that people really value, of course, because, again, a factor that cannot change. Uh, you don't grow uh, or you don't really change size that dramatically when you come into the NFL. Cons, uh, his pre-snap reads, he needs to get better at that. Uh, really reading defenses pre-snap, obviously that's what that means. I just repeated it twice. Uh, it's that important. And then turnovers and forced throws. Not a ton of turnovers, uh, but there are, if, if you watch his tape, there are a lot of times that he, th you know, kind of forces throws that could have been interceptions and stuff like that. And obviously just the opponents that he's playing against just aren't at that level where they can, you know, really make those plays. Uh, whereas, you know, players in the NFL, NFL defenses can do that. So that's going to be something he needs to work on. The obvious comp for him based on size um, is Justin Herbert. Also, you know, his attributes, it's pretty obvious that's the the comp and that's what everyone really says and then for our grades eight and a half uh, for accuracy nine for arm seven and a half for qbiq eight and a half for mobility nine for size and that brings out an 8.5 grade very very high early first round pick for sure and he is also projected in that range a top five pick um and it's a really 1b 1a situation here uh, with caleb williams as you'll see in a second 
Yeah, so Alex did expose the top guy like you didn't know it already. Six foot one, 215 pounds. Caleb Williams, the junior out of USC, uh, played the last two years starting. And another player, by the way, it's funny how the top two guys had better seasons in 2022 than they did in 2023. Williams, for example, had over 4,500 yards passing last year with over 40 touchdowns last year. The one thing that remained constant, the amount of interceptions he threw. Five interceptions both of the past two years, so that would be 10 interceptions combined the last few years. You go a year before that, he threw four. 14 interceptions in three years of college football for Caleb Williams. That is unbelievably talented play right there by the guy out of USC. So this past year, he had over 3,500 yards passing, 30 touchdowns. Against 11th ranked Arizona in October, Williams threw for 219 yards and a touchdown, 12 carries for 41 yards, and three rushing touchdowns in that game. Some of them were on the goal line, though, so I don't know how much you really want to count that. And then the big game that everyone was watching in college football, if you remember back in November, when it was Washington versus USC, one of the biggest final battles in Pac-12 of the college football season. They lost that game, USC did. Williams threw for 312 yards and three touchdowns, also ran for one touchdown. I do believe that was the game that went viral of Caleb Williams going up to the stands uh, and crying with his mother. I think that was I think that was that game, um, actually. So that went pretty viral. The game was a great watch, though. I hope everyone tuned in. If you didn't, sure, it's out there on YouTube whatsoever or, you know, what have you. But Alex is going to get into more of the pros and cons and comparisons, etc., I don't have the crying in the cons category. I'm sorry for, you know, those people who get all upset and emotional about that, who are probably crying about the fact that that isn't there. So I'm sorry to those guys. Um, anyway, pros, we've got arm talent. Uh, he is an insane talent in terms of the throws he can make. Very Patrick Mahomes-esque. I sound like Chris Collinsworth right now and Tony Romo. What, what is it, Alex? It's a little Mahomey, if you a ask little me. Mahomey, but, uh, okay. <laughs> it's a little Mahomey. Um, his throw on the run ability uh, similar to Jaden Daniels, very, very good. Uh, his accuracy is good at all three levels. Decision-making, doesn't turn the ball over. Josh said five or less interceptions in each of his three seasons. And I think the best way to describe Caleb Williams, you just see it. We saw it last night in the Super Bowl. Uh, Pat Mahomes, obviously, he has it also. The it factor. You watch him play, and you just know what I'm talking about. He's just got that that special way about him that you know he can make a play at any time and you just can't really say that about any other quarterback in this class I feel like at this time we have uh you know I'm kind of spoiling here but him and Drake may graded at the exact same grade but there's that it factor there for Caleb Williams that just puts him uh, you know just a little bit a hair above um the cons for him he is a little bit small at 6'1 215 uh, and his footwork in the pocket could be improved as well the comp, I mentioned, he's a little bit Mahomey, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, for our grades, accuracy, 9.5, arm, 9.5, QBIQ, 8.5, mobility, an 8, and size, 5.5, leading to, I spoiled it, sorry about that, an 8.5 grade, same as Drake May, um, but I believe it was like 0.2 higher, uh, or it was point, yeah, it was 8.54 instead of 8.52, so technically he was a little bit higher, but of course, I'm not going to go that specific. Uh, on the official grade here that we're talking about, even though I just did. Uh, and that puts him as an early first round prospect uh, grade wise. And then a projected, he's also obviously projected to go in the top five. And I believe that is all six quarterbacks, Josh. And just like a quick recap here, 
I think the tiers, you've got Caleb Williams and Drake May at kind of 1A, 1B. You've got Jaden Daniels. I know you disagree with this a little bit, Josh, but Jaden Daniels kind of as that solidified third guy. And then you've got Penix, J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix kind of in that late first round range, which is basically what our grades say. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just about it, I guess. That does it for your 2024 top six NFL quarterback prospects. And so we thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. Uh, a way you can support us and help us out is by subscribing. Uh, either that's, you know, hitting that follow button on the Apple Podcast or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you're listening. That would be great. You could also hit us up on our socials at the Giant Take Pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm still going to keep saying Twitter. It's not going to be X. Because Alex is on X. Twitter at Anorian23. I'm on Twitter at JoshJolo29. We're even so uh, anti-X that Alex hasn't changed the logo in the bottom corner of our screen to no, X. No, never. It, never, it never will be. No, no. Um, but anyway, enough Twitter slash X talk. Um, we thank you so much for, for staying with us for episode 300. And, and, you know, if you've been a crazy supporter listening this whole way through, 300 down and more than 300 to go. What do you say, Alex? <laughs> 600? No, we're going... 600 is low, Josh. I think we're going for 1,000, 2,000, maybe 5,000. Who knows what? We're going to be here with gray beards uh, when we're 80, you know? Still talking about how Daniel Jones is still the quarterback and we still haven't moved on from him. So, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see about that. But, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Hope everyone enjoyed the QB review. I thought it was kind of interesting. And there's a lot of really exciting prospects and, obviously, DC news as well. Um, but thank you so much, and we'll see you next time talking more draft more free agency more giants more everything uh giants football so we'll see you next time